so John, welcome back. This is our uh, this. We're going to begin this Thursday section with a question. I have a. It's called Thurs- It's called Thursday's thoughts, Kurt. Come okay. On. Well, I haven't committed to that brand yet, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to call it that, but uh, my question for you is this: When you were a kid, and I will just include adolescence in this. What name something a toy or something that you really saved up for and how satisfying was it when you got it and how quickly did you become disappointed with it? <laughs> mm, man, there's a few things coming to mind. I mean, Kurt, you and I have shared our love, I think for GI Joe's and transformers toys. Maybe yeah. we did that in an earlier episode. And so I'm thinking of some mm-hmm. of the, the bigger kind of, um, uh, you know, G.I. Joe toys or the bases that you could get with those. But, but I honestly, I don't know if I paid for those. Um, mm. I do remember a few things are coming to mind, Kurt. So I'm just going with it. I, I, I remember buying a Swiss army knife and it was like nice. the, the little Swiss army knife that had, you know, a knife, a file with a screwdriver, scissor, nice. scissors, uh, and then it also had the little tweezers and the toothpick that you could pull out of the side. And I will the say, si- the scissors were sick, by the way. Like I love uh, those. Oh, so. look, that was the reason I bought the knife. It was like that was a selling point. That was it. And I remember yeah. I got it. Scissors. You didn't really have a Swiss Army knife. I remember someone. There was a version you could get without it, and people would be like, "This is a Swiss Army knife." I'd be like, "Nah, not really." Yeah, waste of t- waste of time. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I got it for those scissors, and then I can remember getting home, and it was like I was messing around with it, and I noticed. Okay, what is this like little blue tab at the top, and what's this white tab? And I, I pulled out the tweezers and the nice. toothpick, which you know, somewhat worthless for the most part. But I can just remember thinking, this thing's amazing. You know, just yeah. you know, such a awesome. I think it was like twelve dollars for some reason, somewhere around there is is making me think. But again, that just shows I actually had to pay for it, and I can remember you know some close price there. But I'm sure I got tired of it within the month. Um, also thinking of a Super Nintendo, saving up money for that. And oh, that probably, you know, lasted for a while because you can get new games for that. You can share that with your friend. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the 64 came along, I guess, after that. Wasn't that the next one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, Kurt, my question for you, when you think back over, I mean, this can be your entire life, uh, what was okay. the, the biggest waste of money? What was something you can remember looking back and you paid for something? It could have been something small. It could have been something big. But you just thought, man, what a waste of money. What, what okay, comes to the well, top? It could be a few things. Um, I, it has to be the biggest waste of money is um, – I've wasted a lot of money, John. Um, so this is a tough question. Uh, top, top three. Top as, some, as someone who generally considers pretty much all spending of money is wasting money, um, uh, I'd say we we okay. So when we were in Tupelo, uh, we got uh, we planted we we planted some trees in our backyard, um, and we spent a good amount of money planting some trees along our back fence line because we didn't want to be able to see we were up on a hill and we didn't want to be able to see down into the next neighbor's yard and we didn't want them to be able to see into our yard. We felt it would be nice to plant some trees. Um, and 
So we did that. And uh, then almost immediately after we did it, we spent all this money on it. Almost immediately, we moved to Montgomery. So, wow. uh, so we spent a good amount of money. Um, and I've got a lot of, I got store, I got plenty of stories like that. Um, well, can, can you give us a ballpark of how much those trees set you back? Uh, I don't remember, but I know that it was more than I needed to be. So, uh, I don't remember the exact amount. So two, uh, two things on that. One is I love the phrase, how much did that set you back? Um, I, I'll laugh almost every time somebody uses that. <laughs> um, I can't remember if it's in a movie where it was used in a funny context. It's just a funny phrase to me. Uh, okay. So that was random. Second, can, can, I, I, can, I, can I give you, before you go to your second one, can I give you a uh, another phrase about spending money that I really enjoy? Yes. Is, um, when someone spent a bunch of money on something and it ends up being really bad. Uh, or they lose money on something. I took a bath. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I took a bath on that. I love that. I love that phrase. I'm here for that. So. <laughs> See, I don't know if it was Cousin Eddie in like one of the vacation movies where he's like, how much that set you back, Clark? Something along those lines. It just mm-hmm. seems like something he would say, right? Yeah, 100%. Okay. okay. So maybe it was in that. Um, okay, but back to your purchasing the trees. Does it give you, is it any consolation to think, well, at least we did this for the current owners of the house that at least no, we get it's, <laughs> Cause, it's no consolation. Cause you're exceedingly selfish. <laughs> no, because I didn't, I, I didn't do it. Yeah. We didn't get that money back. And when we sold our home is what I'm trying to say, like oh, it wow. wasn't like, Oh, well now we're going to get more money when we sell this because of these trees. We probably should have, but. But see right now, Kurt, as you and I are recording this podcast, there's a family, they could be sitting on the back porch there and they could be thinking, you know what? These trees really are nice and they provide That's awesome. They can send me a check. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you know who they are? Uh, Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure the home has changed hands more in the last time. So I don't know. I bet it hasn't because there's trees in the backyard, Kurt. (laughs) They're still there. Thanks to you. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's just one of many times. Um, landscaping is one way in which I've, mm. you know, I don't think that's a waste of money, but if you don't enjoy it, it's one of those things. It's kind of like getting your house ready to move, like, like dressing your house up in order to sell. It's like, yeah, we're, we're spending money on a house on this house, but we're not really enjoying it. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, one, one of the hardest things we're, we're shutting this down, but one of the hardest things for me to, to buy is dirt or fertilizer. Um, to me, it is, you know, where we've sodded before or we needed, you know, just, I cannot buy dirt. I mean, that's just, sod, sod is different. Sod is grass. But, that's but, but no, there, there's been some, I know one time we bought this, this dirt that was supposed to help the side grow a little bit more in this, this one section of the yard. It's just, I cannot buy dirt. That's just, and then fertilizer, I mean, literally manure, you know, you're paying, for manure and uh yeah i just yeah. can't i can't do it um so Kurt, that's funny. we've wasted some money on uh on sod too so yeah um, yeah so we right. a place we sodded a place i know this is people are like super bored by this but we sodded a place that we didn't really do our research beforehand and it was never going to be able to the grass was never going to be able to stay so we just threw that money away uh, anyway man this is yeah. 
starting to become a depressing episode. So I'll, <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop us. Hopefully, uh, everybody enjoys that Thursday thoughts segment. Uh, here's here's Joe Deegan, and we'll get into our discussion on money. <laughs> Okay, Kurt, so we ended on Tuesday talking a little bit about, you know, savings. I know we were going to read. Side. <laughs> Side. Um, and uh, you were also talking about uh, coveting as well as greed and just how we can foster that in our own uh, children. Uh, Kurt. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kurt's got I'm the- still thinking, like, what if I was so bitter about the trees that I just made the whole podcast about the trees? <laughs> It's just we, we kind of get off onto some other things and then but I just can't help it the trees it's like you just keep bringing that up and we, it, just we, like, it broke me <laughs> we, we go to Kurt's house now and there's just a bunch of stumps in his yard um, he just hates trees anywhere he <laughs> that's funny we did cut down two trees in our front yard <laughs> see but they, they were dead we had to cut them down see if, so. we, if we dig down into some hard issues there. Um, it's it's because of those trees in your backyard. This is just therapy. This is why I never let my son read the Giving Tree. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. At uh, least that superheroes Groot. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> all right. So, Kurt, you want to give us some thoughts talk- on coveting and greed, and you know how we can foster that in our children's hearts, but also maybe push back in that, and uh, just give us some some thoughts there, Kurt? Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about when, um, let's talk about, cause a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are their parents of teenagers. They're not parents of young children like us or their parents of both. But, um, but let's talk about, you know, the conversation that you're going to have to have, you know, you're trying to teach your child how to manage money well. And then they have a friend who, um, for whatever reason, doesn't have to manage money well and how those conversations are going to go. It's going to be very easy for you to jump into a kind of self-righteous um, or defensive position when it comes uh, to those kind of things. Or, or it could also be very easy for you to jump into a covetous, a covetous position um, and uh, to encourage covetousness, which is a tough word for me to say. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, we need to talk about like I'll tell you this. So I'm I'm specifically thinking of that um, one one year many years ago. Uh, I was at Sunday school, and as I'm wont to do, and because I teach it every week. But uh, I was at Sunday school, and uh, some boys were talking about a girl that didn't go to our church. And they were talking about her in kind of derisive terms. And I was just kind of walking up to the conversation late, you know, late to the conversation. Um, another thing that I want to do. And it seemed to me that what they were very upset about was, is that she, her first car was a BMW. Um, she got a brand new BMW for her first car. Um, and they were talking about how stupid that was and how, um, you know, all these different things. And whether you believe that's stupid or not um, or unwise or whatever. It's fine. But what I heard in my boys' voices was not um, that stupid. What I heard was uh, covetousness and that 
uh, you know, they could reason out their covetousness pretty well. Um, they could say like, well, you just shouldn't do that. Um, but at the, at the heart of it was this person got something and they don't deserve to get it because I can't get it. Um, and it's going to be very easy for us as parents when we have to deal with friends, which is a big issue for students, right? It's like, you know, you think about phones and like when you're going to give your child a phone and all of a sudden all their friends are getting phones and you want to grab their parents by the collar and be like, hey, could we not just have talked about this beforehand? But this is another issue that we're going to deal with is like some of some people are going to be um, some people are going to be wealthier than you and some people are going to be poorer than you. Some people are going to have more means than you and some people are going to have less means than you. And it's going to be how you talk about those people and about that fact is going to affect the way that your child thinks about themselves, you, and those other people. And so we need to be very careful in the way that we talk about those things. We don't want to begrudge people who have been blessed with means. I, you know, we have students whose, uh, you know, whose parents are, you know, whose dad, there's obviously a couple of people in our, um, in our youth group whose dads are like surgeons, all right, like a brain surgeon or a heart surgeon or orthopedic surgeon or a plastic surgeon or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like who went to school until they were like 33 before they ever saw like a paycheck, you know, and they get paid a lot of money and I don't begrudge them, you know, because when I get my surgery done, you know, I don't want um, someone who is making minimum wage to be doing that surgery. I want someone, you know, who's had to work really hard and has earned, you know, and it's important to have these kind of conversations with people um, and say, look, like people have different, the Lord has not given everybody the same amount of resources. To some, he's given more, to some, he's given less. But what the Lord requires is that we would do the best with what he's given us. You know, in fact, I think Jesus even teaches a parable about that, right? Um, about uh, the servant who buries his coin versus the one who goes and you know, um, uses it to the best of his ability. And so the way that we talk about those situations with our with our kids is going to affect the way that they think about it. We, If we want to, we can foster self-righteousness in them and be like, oh, well, it's really foolish that he gave her that car because for all these different reasons. And we're so much wiser when in reality it's just we can't afford that. So that's the reason we didn't do it. In the same situation, if the roles were reversed, we might have done the same exact thing. That's not really teaching them anything other than self-righteousness um, and trying to justify oneself. So we just got to be careful about the way we talk about these situations because the way that we talk about money and the way that we talk about the fact that people are going to have more – they're always going to be – the poor will always be with you. Jesus promises us that. So there will always be people who have less than us and there will always be people who have more than us. And how we handle those situations, we are teaching our children how to think about those people was most importantly, but also how to think about that dynamic of having versus not having. Yeah, so, Carter, that, yeah. that's great. And I think you're bringing up a, a very important point for us to um, <clears throat> just analyze as we think about money management. And really that has to deal with the, the hearts of the, the parents. Um, for us to think specifically about how we spend our money and how it's how we're influenced by other people. Um, that you know, there is the whole, you know, keeping up with the Joneses that, you know, as soon as friends get this new item or they get to go to this uh, destination vacation or they get this vehicle, 
Um, we, as, we, we as parents need to realize there's going to be some major temptation for us to keep up appearances and for us to, to spend money in certain ways based on how other people have, have spent money. And so we've got to just be aware of that in our own hearts. We've got to recognize it as a temptation. Um, because, look, just to play devil's advocates, n- nothing nothing's you know inherently sinful wrong about getting a BMW for uh, you know your your teenager but but we do need to pause and ask okay is it because it's a good deal and you found hey this is a great car this has low mileage it's a good price it, it'll last long you know those kind of things or is it i want my child to be seen in this type of vehicle um yeah, sure. we've we've got to pause and we've got to wrestle with that as as parents we cannot just dismiss it um, we also like you said whether it's a cell phone or, or whatever are we just starting to buy our children's thing, children items because, well, that's what everyone else is doing, and I don't want them to be the the child out, and that that's a real struggle, that's a real difficulty to to wade through. But we just, as Christians, we have to be discerning, we have to give pause, and and you know, be suspicious of our own heart all the time. Um, as we've said multiple times on this podcast, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Um, question your heart. Don't trust your heart. Don't follow your heart um, in this area specifically with, with money. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's important. This is where empathy plays such an important role and loving your neighbor as yourself is that, um, you know, people are not going to like, some people are not going to like to hear this um, or certain people are not going to like to hear it, but like assuming the best about people um, versus uh, assuming the worst uh, you know, one thing that I always think about when I think about our students who are wealthier, because um, we have some students who are wealthier um, in our group, is that one thing that's um, – it's very easy to act like uh, if you don't have money, it's very easy to act as if money solves all your problems. And if you, and if you have it, you're not allowed to have any. Um, it's very easy to be judgmental um, and uh, – you know, honestly, to be downright cruel to people who are of means just because we're jealous of what they've achieved or what they have acquired. And, you know, these are the kind of things that we need to be talking about with our students, um, you know, with our children is that uh, we want loving our neighbors ourselves. It's, you know, the, the, the place that we often go to with that is like the person who is less well off than us or the person who's worse than us behaviorally or the person who doesn't do the right thing. But it's also true about the person who has more than us, too. I mean, we're called to love our neighbors and ourselves, regardless of who our neighbors are, whether they are of means or not of means. So, um, you know, I think it's uh, it's very easy to fall into these traps and to teach our children um, some lessons that we really don't want them to be learning um, in that regard. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just as we're having this entire discussion and just the ways in which we've got to be cautious of our own hearts, you know, we have to be reminded of, Jesus Christ warning so frequently about the dangers of money. Mm. Um, I mean, we, we really must be sobered, you know, by just the, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to inherit eternal life. Um, that's, that should give us all pause. That should sober us to just eternity, uh, thinking about the state of our, our souls. Um, I mean, we've just, and we have to realize too, the way, most of us are rich, you know I mean? That applies to, to all of us. Yeah. And, and by the way, um, yeah, almost everyone who's listening to this podcast is in the top, like 2% of the world in wealth, but I would have to guess, 
but the fact that you can listen to a podcast pretty much indicates that. And but, and they both have they share birthdays with each other. Like you love, um, but uh, I think it's also important to note um, in that regard that right after Jesus says uh, that about the rich person and the eye of the needle is that the very next thing he does is he goes and he uh, he converts uh, Zacchaeus. So it's the very next passage in the Bible. So, um, so or actually, no, I think it's the rich young ruler. Yeah, no, no, no. That's no, 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 no. Um, it is. It's in Luke, and the 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 um, he talks about the eye of the needle, and then right after that, he goes to Jericho, and he um, and he confronts a very rich man, and uh, and he and salvation comes to his house. So, um, you know, yeah. it yeah. was if I think what I'm trying to say here. And I think what one of the takeaways that we want to have is this, is that how we talk about money is going to affect the way that our children think about money. And if we act as if money is the most important thing, then our children will act as if money is the most important thing. If we act as if money is somehow an indicator of sinfulness, that anyone who is richer than us is just that way because – they're sinful, then that is how our children will think as well. And so, again, our children are observing as much as they're taught, probably more than they're taught. So uh, the way that our attitude toward money affects the way that our children's attitude toward money. And if we are just – we don't ever talk about money and we just spend freely. If you're listening to this podcast and you're of means and you know for whatever reason you don't really have to – you know, worry about your bank account or whatever. Well, your children are not going to worry about that and they might not be in that scenario. And so, you know, we need to think about, you know, we need to think about that as well. So, yeah. Oh, and, that is- and also if you're in that category, I mean, RYM is a uh, non <laughs> nonprofit. So be sure to visit the, the donate link uh, to no, RYM. <laughs> no, no joke. If regardless of who you are, you can, you should, you should consider um, contributing to RYM um, because, uh, RYM does a lot of things for the church and I look, I will receive none of that money. So, um, and John is, you know, John has a conflict of interest there because, you know, he works for RYM, but I don't. And, um, you know, they don't put, uh, food on my table if it, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's, and you said that laughingly, but you know, even if you're not, you know, if you're thinking about giving over and above your tithe to your church, um, uh, if you're if you're looking to give an offering, I think it's great to give an offering to RYM. But back Absolutely. to money. Yeah, back and 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 like we were saying, I mean, just the warnings that Jesus Christ gives. We we do not need to pass over this quickly. We need to see that Jesus frequently yeah. warned about this issue. That this is a big deal. Well, and he warned the most about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even more, and I think that, you know, in the New Testament, Jesus speaks on hell more than any New Testament author, but he talked about the warnings of money more than he talked about hell. I think that's correct. I could be wrong on that. Somebody could correct me. But what I also want to say, too, and then I want us to talk about allowance and some advice on that, Kurt. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, we also need to see that, you know, saving can be, you know, idolatry as well, or being very tight with our money that even if we're not spending, this is, this is definitely my idol. (laughs) Well, well, I mean, even if we're not spending a lot of money or we're just, you know, not in big houses or have items or whatever, it it could be because we're just dominated by our, our thoughts of, of money. So we've got to be cautious of, you know, excusing ourselves when, well, I don't spend a whole lot on money. It's not, you know, that much of a, um, 
an idol in my life. It could be because, you know, you're a tight wide as well, just to put it in, in crass terms. So we, we just have to be cautious. It's wise to save. I mean, there's plenty of proverbs that talk about saving. Um, so that's a good thing. But then to also see, you know, is it an idol in your life? Uh, just getting us to reflect on our, our hearts there. So Kurt, give us some advice on allowance and kind of just teaching that concept to our children. Before we jump into allowance, I would say that the person who uh, spends lavishly and and exorbitantly and the person who is, in your words, a tightwad, that they both worship money. It's just their liturgy is different. Um, they, uh, they're both worshiping money. They're just worshiping in a different mode. But to allowance. Um, okay, well. Our, none of, neither of our sons uh, get an allowance right now. We've just started that with Campbell. So I have almost no experience myself. Um, but uh, I think that some of the things that I've picked up from some other people um, uh, are uh, how you can start to give them money is uh, – I think probably if you had to guess, most people – like the first money that they get – that's really theirs. It's either a birthday gift, right? Or it's a tooth fairy. If you do that, if you choose to do that, by the way, that was one of my questions. But when, when you lost your first tooth, John, how much did the tooth fairy give you? Mm, My my guess would be like a quarter. Yes. That's what I got too. Um, the, uh, my parents wanted to us to give Campbell $5 for his first. (laughs) I was like, man, inflation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, but so what, what, what is the value of allowance? Well, I would say that it has inestimable value and here's why it's because we want to train our children to work because work is something that existed before the fall. That's what we're made to do to create, uh, to fill the emptiness and to order the chaos and allowance is teaching them that work has a reward, that there's a reward tied to work, that when we work, that we receive a wage. And this is a biblical, you know, this is a biblical principle. The wages of sin is death. That illustration makes no sense unless, you know, you understand working and wages and how that works. But, uh, you know, uh, how do you do allowance? Um, well, everyone's going to have their own um you know, system. First of all, you do what you can afford to do. <laughs> you don't, uh, you need to watch, you need to pay attention to the system very carefully. Uh, if you tell your child, Hey, I'll give you a nickel for all the cars that you pick up off the floor. Um, if you have an enterprising child, he might go over and dump all the cars on the floor and then put them all in, in the basket, you know, and, and then maybe, and do, do that five times, you know, yeah, uh-huh, and do that five times the, uh, you know, so you need to lay the groundwork about what we're doing here. We're not trying to game the system. Also, <laughs> you're probably raising a future, um, you know, venture capitalist, but whatever, or, <laughs> or hedge fund manager, but, <laughs> but, uh, so watch out for that. Congratulations on your early retirement. And um, uh, so, you know, we want to you want to do what you can afford to do. Right. Um, but you want to do something that's significant for them. Um, so uh, if you start out very too small, then they might become disenfranchised by work. You know, you might say if you only give them just a little bit and uh, they work really hard, they do all the cleaning up. And at the end of the week, they have two dollars. Right. Um, and $2 can buy almost nothing, 
then they might say, well, what's the point in working? All right. Well, our lesson has failed there. All right. If you go the other way, it's also failed. So if you give them too much money, right, if you give them five chores to do a day and you give them $5 a chore, you know, you know, and at the end of the day, they have at the end of five days, they have $125, you know, and they're already like, okay, well, it won't take me very long. You know, they've also, they, they haven't learned the lesson because now work is too easy, right? So you got to strike that balance, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And, and I think to that point too, I mean, we, we have not done this consistently and we've done it a little bit and we need to, to work on this, but uh, you can start very cheap in your allowance to your children. Especially uh, when, when, when they're young. Yeah. When, when they're young. And so, uh, you know, I just want to say that to say that, you know, some parents might be out there thinking we don't have extra money just to throw around. It can be, you know, like you said, nickels for things or dimes or, or quarters. And, you know, to them, you know, they go and get a, a piece of gum out of a gumball machine, which those are still around, by the way, there's a pizza place we go to that has one. And that that's a, you know, huge, you know, purchase for them that they enjoyed. And so the the importance, as you're saying, Kurt, is the concepts we're teaching. I mean, one, we've got to remind them, you know, God is the Lord over all things, that this is his money. It's not um, just ours to do what we want. We're we're teaching them about work and to to do something, to actually put forth effort to receive, you know, a wage for for doing something. Um, But then also, you know, a concept in here too, Kurt, is, is tithing. You know, it's important that part of teaching our children that all money is God's money, that uh, we do need to tie, that we do need to teach our children that whatever they're earning, uh, they need to give a percentage back to the Lord. And I know people can debate this from the Old Testament to the New Testament and what that percentage is or or whatever, but um, tithing is a biblical concept. And of course, I know uh, Kurt and I are both in ministry, and so of course we're going to be proponents of that, but but it is just a, a biblical concept, and we need to be reminded that um, the tithe is really more about teaching trust in the Lord uh, to provide, and it's it's a way to actually fight against our idolatry of money and our anxiety over money um, to give it back to the Lord and to trust Him that He provided this initial money and what we give back to Him, um, He'll continue to provide. And so, just some of those concepts we've got to be teaching our children, um, but you know, explicitly telling them about what the tithe is and and all of that. And so, Kurt, I know we're we're starting to to wrap this up. Is there anything else you want to? Um, add to this before we go to our RWAM advertisement? Uh, no, I think, I think I'm good. Uh, I think this has been a good discussion. And I think even though you say that you don't know much about money, uh, you uh, were sandbagging a little bit and that you do know a little bit. So. Well, I just want to be honest. I mean, but yeah, if my wife was on this podcast, we would laugh together because um, she's just head and shoulders above me in this area. So I uh, just wanted to give that disclaimer when she listens to this uh and and laughs as well so kurt look let's do a uh quick rym advertisement and then we're going to go to our what would you call it trash on the table segment yeah so stay tuned for our trash on the table segment here's a quick ad from rym Hey everybody, this is John. Uh, You may know that I also host another podcast called The Local Youth Worker, and we are also beginning our fourth season in September, and uh, it's going to be dealing with parents, uh, really talking to youth workers about some of the common questions they receive, some of the issues they deal with. We'll have some 
youth workers on who aren't parents, some youth workers on who are parents, and some who are grandparents. So that might interest some of you who tune into Parenting Today to also check out the local youth worker, which is available at iTunes, Spotify, many other places that you can get podcasts. So be sure to check that out as this starts off in September. All right, John, good RYM advertisement. I think now we've entered the stage of the podcast where we have the trash on the table. Uh, These are uh, just odds and ends, things that we want to share. Maybe they're not totally related to the topic. Uh, Maybe they are. Uh, It's up to you. Here is mine. I'll go first this time. Uh, Here is my trash on the table. And this is such such cool news. Um, This is from an article from Wired Magazine from August 12th, 2019. Ebola is now curable. Ebola is now curable. Um, uh, Without treatment, uh, the uh, mortality rate for Ebola is something like 75%. um, And with this treatment, uh, the mortality rate falls to 6%. Six out of every 100 cases. Um, But Ebola, which used to be like... You know, I don't know if – well, I know this to be true, but I'm sure you remember that Ebola – there were several movies made about uh, and still have – still being made about Ebola outbreaks. like Outbreak with, the, with Dustin Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pretty good Re- movie. Renee uh, Russo, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah Kevin monkey. Tyson. Yeah. Um, watch out for the monkey. So, um, yeah. It made me scared to go in public places. But Ebola is now curable. And so uh, you can read about this Wired magazine. Um, that's the uh, Megan Moltini. I'm not sure about that last name and how to pronounce it. Megan Moltini wrote this article uh, for Wired, um, a new treatment uh, that reduces the mortality rate down to 6%. Pretty cool. Yeah, that is. Yeah. So I've got an article uh, as well, Kurt, and this one is, you know, probably about a month old by the time this podcast drops, Kurt, I said drops again. Um, It is. You're so so hip and with it. (laughs) It is on uh, Cogent Christianity is the website. And the title of the article is Skillet's John Cooper on apostasy among young Christian leaders. Uh, Skillet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, John Cooper. So Skillet is a band. I don't know much about them, Kurt, uh, but uh, this um, member of the band Skillet came out and addressed just the, the apostasy of um, some of Christianity's uh, leaders. Uh, some of you know about Joshua Harris, uh, sadly, stepping away from the faith and also divorcing his wife. He was you know, pastor of a church and authored many books. Um, and then also in this article, he, he calls out the Hillsong uh, songwriter, Marty Sampson, for renouncing his Christian faith, which I don't know much about Hillsong either. Definitely have heard of them, but also stepping away from the faith. And so basically, you know, the the article is, is taking, you know, his comment. I can't remember exactly where that was posted, but um, it's being reposted in Cogent Christianity and calling out just kind of the the young Christians emphasizing feelings over fact um, and encouraging Christians to cling to the eternal truth of God. And, And so a lot of good thoughts there, a lot of good challenges, a lot of good 
uh, things that we should ponder as Christians. And, and really, you know, as parents listening to this, I mean, this would be an article to definitely pick up and read through with your teenager or young child and just highlight certain points that he makes in there. Um, very important uh, for us to be talking about this, you know, as our children, I would say most likely are, are hearing some of these people stepping away from the faith and also their own faith is being challenged by some of the um, the new quote unquote truth that these uh, apostate Christians are embracing. And so, you know, we, we definitely need to be talking to our children. And I know theologically speaking, some people are going to think differently about people falling away from the faith and, and all of that. But a good article to check out, again, the title is Skillet's John Cooper on Apostasy Among Young Christian Leaders. And this is at cogentchristianity.com. Kurt, anything else to add? I don't think so, John. It's been good. Um, it's time for me to go try to earn some money. So, Yeah, same here, Kurt. I enjoyed the conversation. We will be back next Tuesday and Thursday, so be sure to check us out. See you, Kurt. Bye, John. Bye.